Good day, listeners. Jonathan Darty here with another edition of the Pure Sex Radio Program. You know, for over 10 years, we've helped wives heal from sexual betrayal trauma. And one aspect of this healing process that simply should never be overlooked is the need for good self-care and simply rest. Today's guest is Christy Jones-Jackson. She is the founder and director of the Guest House Project, a nonprofit ministry that helps women find hope after betrayal. Christy shares some of her own story and how vital it was that in the middle of her failing marriage due to betrayal, a friend took her away for a weekend to pray with her, to make her eat, give her gifts, read her scripture. She made her laugh and reminded her who she was. It was a pivotal moment in her journey to healing and planted the seeds for what would eventually become the Guest House Project. So to learn more about Christy and the Guest House Project, visit theguesthouseproject.com. For even more resources, visit bebroken.org or check out links in today's show notes. And of course, we'd love it if you'd rate and review the podcast after listening so that others can find it. Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken, and we exist to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. All right, let's hear what Christy has to say about healing and the need for good rest. Well, all right, Christy Jones-Jackson, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, we're, I'm super excited about this conversation. We've we've tried a couple times to to get this conversation <laughs> uh, together. Our schedules just couldn't quite mesh a couple of times. But um, I've been wanting to have you on because uh, you have this incredible ministry uh, called the Guest House Project, and I'd love for you to share with us a little bit about what that is, and maybe even the story of how you got involved with that um, that ministry. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So um, the Guest House Project is a nonprofit organization, and we are based in Atlanta, Georgia, but we um, we serve women across the United States. Um, and I am the founder and executive director of it, um, and it did come out of my story. Um, I was a reluctant participant in this dream, actually. <laughs> um, the end of my marriage was was traumatic and the chaos that came from infidelity and sex addiction um, was, was very difficult to navigate. I did not have any reference for this world. I didn't know any of the terms. I didn't even know what I was experiencing Mm. at first. And as I navigated it, I realized that there were quite a few ministries. This was about 10 years ago. So there were, there were several ministries in my area serving men who struggled with sexual brokenness, but there was very little for their wives. And I really struggled to find a counselor who understood betrayal trauma. And I, my church struggled to support me and come alongside. Um, and so it took me a really long time to find a counselor, to find a support group. And after about four or five years of of finding those resources and that help, um, the Lord called me into doing that um, for other women. One of the things that really, really helped during that time was my community and my family, my friends. And one of the things that stood out um, during that really traumatic, difficult time was a friend of mine um, took me away to a bed and breakfast. And she spent the weekend with me. 
And she really poured into me. She prayed with me. She made me eat <laughs> good food. She right. gave me gifts and she read scripture. She made me laugh and reminded me who I was. And, um, and so fast forward four or five years into my healing journey, um, there was a period of time where the Lord very clearly called me into that work. And I was all set to go be a missionary in another country. Um, and when he said, I want you to minister to women in this space, I said, oh, yeah, no, thank you. Like, <laughs> I want nothing to do with betrayal trauma. I've heard so many stories. I've done the support groups. I've done the therapy. I don't want to do this anymore. But as the Holy Spirit often does, he slowly worked on my heart and um, and I eventually said yes and just began to follow the breadcrumbs of what would that look like to create a space for women where they could really process what they were, what they were experiencing. Um, but where they could really be cared for. And I feel like in this, in this world, there's different spaces in the betrayal trauma healing journey of, you know, there's spaces to learn, um, workshops, books, podcasts, and then there's spaces to really grow, um, in community, like support groups, and then there's spaces where you do a lot of hard work in processing, like therapy. Um, and so where's the space where the respite care comes in? I felt like there was a need for another space of where they could mm -hmm. really receive some respite and care so that they could go out and do those other hard things. So that's what that's what we're about. Yeah, let me ask you a question about your story, because I love the fact that you almost kind of, uh, you help distinguish some of the different lanes of what a person needs when they face betrayal. And there's this lane of, like you said, you need, there's, there's some education that's necessary there. There's some mm -hmm. counseling, there's some, you know, group work, but then you've got this other lane over here that you've talked about where you just need rest, right? Can you talk a little bit about in your own story, when you talk about that friend that took you away to the B and B, what, what did that do for you in terms of the overall dynamic of what you needed regarding your own personal healing from betrayal, how was that uniquely different from all the other things that you were doing as part of that healing? Yeah, it was, it happened right in the middle of the trauma. And so what it did for me was remove me from the situation for, I think it was two days. And it gave me some distance from the house that, you know, it, it had been my home and my safe place, my haven that I had created for my family and it had been breached and there was now betrayal and mistrust. And so having a break from that, having a break from the responsibilities of children and family and work, and then having just some breathing room from um, the trauma that he brought into the space. It was mm -hmm. really helpful. It gave me some perspective. It helped me take a breath and say, okay, let me just take stock of <laughs> the rubble I now find myself in. Um, and, and okay, what do I need to do next? And can I rest and, and recoup a little bit before I have to make some decisions? So at that time, that's what it really did for me. It was a respite. It was like taking me out of the battlefield and giving me, you know, some um, emergency care before I had to go back in. Yeah. Now, in your case, it sounded like your your friend practically abducted you. <laughs> <laughs> she kind of did. <laughs> so that's a good thing. It's good to have friends like that. Mm -hmm. but, but I'm also wondering, what are some of the objections that some women have when you're trying to invite them to sort of 
separate themselves from their house and all of the daily responsibilities and all that and say, hey, come take three or four days over here. What are some of the objectives that, that some women have, even though they might like cognitively know I could use that? That sounds great. But emotionally, they might. What are some of the things that cause them to stumble in not taking that step? Yeah, I think many women are so isolated that they are really scared of stepping into community or into a group. Mm-hmm. Um, many of them are very afraid of having to talk about what they're experiencing and the trauma of it. Some of them are in the initial phases, so they haven't practiced, they haven't processed anything and they haven't practiced telling their story and sharing with another person. And so for that reason, well, for multiple reasons, but that is one of the primary reasons we are not a therapeutic retreat We when we do our retreats. Um, and we do not share stories. So we try to reassure them that this is not a place where you're going to have to get up in front of people and share anything. You can be quiet the whole weekend if you want to. Um, so we, we put some kind of boundaries around that because that is a big, a big fear factor for many of them that I'm going to have to step into a group of people and I'm going to have to be seen and my pain is going to have to be seen publicly. That's scary. So let's talk about that a little bit because I think I think for a lot um, of of not just women that are maybe trying to get help for betrayal trauma healing, but even just those who are are maybe familiar with sort of group dynamics and group ministry, and we think about support groups for recovery and all of that. Can you talk about some of the differences, or just help us differentiate between kind of what people typically think of when they think about group help? like in terms of, let's say, their addiction recovery, betrayal, trauma healing, and maybe what you're doing in terms of providing respite or rest. Because I feel like it's really important for people to maybe understand what some of those differences are. Because otherwise, like you said, they're thinking, okay, you're inviting me to come to a weekend retreat. That sounds a whole lot like maybe an intensive or yes. <laughs> you know, therapy or whatever. So talk about the differences between what you're doing and what people may be, may be more familiar with in kind of the counseling space. Yeah. So I'll do that by telling you a story about one of the girls who came on our retreat um, last year. She she signed up and she didn't know much about it. She's very brave. They're, they're all very brave to step into this when they, especially the ones who don't, who are not referred or don't know anybody who's been on one. So um, she came and she wrote to me afterwards and she said, I like girded myself up for this. And I thought you were just going to rip off the bandaid. And I was ready. I was like, I am going to heal. Um, and she said, I was, it was completely different from what I expected. Um, it was gentle and soft and quiet and restful. And you just led us into the Lord's presence. And she's like, that's actually what I needed more than having the bandage ripped off. Um, so that was one person's experience. Um, and it, it really, while it is a group retreat, um, we have, we take about 10 to 12 women at a time. Um, we try to set it up so that they have a lot of time alone. And they can spend as much or as little time with the group as they want to. Um, so while it is a group setting, it's also not. It's, it's, it, there is an element of a, a quiet, self-guided retreat space. Um, I don't yeah. know if that answers your question. Yeah. So talk, let's talk through a little bit about what could, what can a woman expect if she is going to come to one of these retreats? Can you kind of walk us through? Uh, and I, I'm sure everybody has a unique experience, but in terms of how you sort of set up 
the space and the time for them, what would a woman maybe be able to expect coming to one of your, your retreats? Yeah. Um, the, well, it's usually a weekend, it's about three days. And because like I mentioned before, because home often doesn't seem safe anymore. Um, we really try to create a space that feels like a home where it's, it's disarming, it's comfortable. Um, which is why we don't use hotels. <laughs> we right, try to right. use homes or retreat places. So um, it's an atmosphere of of rest, and we we really believe in beauty and how it can um, really just minister to people in pain. And so we, I mean, just on the surface, we have a lot of flowers and gifts and good food, but we really are trying to hit each of the five senses because betrayal trauma hits you on such a physical level. Um, and so we, we want to really nourish them, not only spiritually and emotionally, but physically as well. So we do a lot of food. Um, and then we never know what will minister to somebody. So we try to use a lot of different elements in the weekend. We do worship and we do, we do gifts. We do, um, spiritual direction. We have a spiritual director come in and do sessions each morning and each evening with them. Um, and then we usually have a massage therapist who will come and do a hand massage if they want to. And that, that some people do not like that. And some people that really, really ministers to them to just receive gentle, kind touch can be very healing, especially with betrayal trauma. So, yeah, so it's about three days and we do um, group sessions with the spiritual director and then we have workshops. So we'll do um, usually an art workshop and we like to use kintsugi, the art, the Japanese art of yeah. Um, remaking something broken into something beautiful. So we use that just to represent the brokenness they're experiencing and how there is hope that the Lord will make something beautiful and that they're not just um, collateral damage for somebody else's choices. Um, yeah. How important is are all, are all of those elements collectively? Because you've mentioned several things. You mentioned, hey, you know what? There's, there's a food element here. Like there's, um, there's a sense of, uh, we're going to bring in beauty, art. Um, there's even the possibility of, like you said, a, a hand massage. Sometimes just uh, a, appropriate contact is really mm-hmm. important. What does it look? What does it mean to be in a setting that is um, quiet, safe? You know, you're not in a hotel. You're not in an airport hotel somewhere. You know, mm-hmm. um, why are all of those elements so important? First, to just restfulness but also to someone who has experienced betrayal. Yeah. Um, As I said, I think our our main goal is to nourish them and because they have a long journey ahead, a long journey of healing. And also they, many of them have been so hurt on so many levels and they have been, they have felt discarded. Um, and and so wounded, which is what trauma is, right? The wounding you experience from something that has happened. And so um, if we can triage them in a way and um, provide care so that they understand that there are people who know what they're going through, um, who want to love on them. And it's, to us, it's a picture of the Lord's love because for me and my journey, it wasn't so much a crisis of faith as in where's God. It was a crisis of faith in what is happening. Why are you allowing this? Mm. I didn't sign up for this. Right. <laughs> and how, how am I going to ever feel normal again? How are you going to heal 
this brokenness. And I believe that Jesus healed me. And Mm -hmm. so if I can give that hope to other women and, and hope is a slippery thing. And I think full hope really only comes after the stages of grief have been sort of cycled through. And so I never want our retreats to be like, we are going to give you hope. You will be hopeful when you leave. It's more, we're offering this to you. And what we can promise you is that you will be nourished in these Mm -hmm. different ways. Um, And so just to remind them that they are worth caring for and us caring for them is really a picture of the Lord of being the hands and feet of God to them in a really, really difficult season. Is there a better, uh, you know, I don't know how to phrase this question necessarily, but I'm thinking, you know, there's a um, betrayal trauma healing is a long journey, right? And sometimes you don't know for a little while sort of where the start point of that was, you know, you, you obviously have an event or something where there's a revelation about, oh my goodness, this is what happened. And you experience like the knowledge of that betrayal. But in terms of the process of then healing, is there is there a ideal time in that journey for them to come to one of these retreats? Or does it not even matter where they are on that spectrum or on that timeline for coming to one of these retreats. Cause you had mentioned about how, Hey, your friend absconded you kind of in the middle of the trauma. And that yes. was a really pivotal or at least a very, uh, uh, crucial moment for you. Um, but talk about where I'm sure, I'm sure you've gotten women in all timelines. Yes. Um, but, but what does that look like for, let's say somebody that's really, really early on and maybe there's such a rawness um, what happens if, if they sort of have an emotional break or whatever, it, is your retreat a place where they're going to be able to get the proper kind of care if something like that happens? Yeah, we have actually wrestled with that question because we get women in all stages of the journey. And so actually, because of that, we are starting to add another type of retreat next year, which we're calling deeper places. And that's for women who are a little further down the road. Because we've had women come through our, our respite retreats um, and then, you know, like a year later, they say, do you have something else? I, I would love to come back and do a little bit more work. So those retreats will be slightly more therapeutic and slightly more, um, they're able to dig in a little deeper, mm-hmm. um, name some some losses, grieve some things, look to the future a little more. Um, and so we are starting to kind of do an intake interview with people where we'll say, I think this retreat would be good, or I think this one would, um, women will naturally do that to a certain extent. And we, we always do an intake with them just to see where they are. I love, um, actually I love Tammy Gustafson's work on this because she has, she's done, um, some work with putting people in different phases, being able to figure out where you are. And so we're using that a little bit to just see, because I have had to say no to some women who are, they are, they are so traumatized. They are not ready to be in a setting like that even, but that's few and far between. Mm. Yeah. Cause I would think in some cases, depending on where they are, like you said, if they're so traumatized, you know, actually being alone might Mm -hmm. not be a good thing for them. Right. Cause you say you, everything's sort of optional in the Mm -hmm. retreat. Um, and, and so, yeah, I I love the fact that you obviously have a heart, like you said, for nourishing the women while they are there. Um, what, what do you hope for, for the women who go through the 
the retreat. Like when they're saying their goodbyes or, you know, and everybody's leaving the retreat, what is, what is like the, the best thing you could hope for, for those ladies as they come out of the retreat? I think my hope for them is that they, they have found some strength to keep going. Um, and whether they're healing in the context of their marriage or outside, um, that they see that the Lord has good things for them. And this is not the end of life <laughs> of their lives, mm-hmm. um, especially if they have children. Yeah. Um, I really have a heart to, for women to find healing so that they can go on and lead their children into healing, no matter what has happened in their family. So that that's really my hope for them is that they, they find some hope and that they, we really are concerned that on the last day they're there that we talk about next steps. So we, we kind of go through lots of different options um, and resources for them. And then we ask them to, we do ask them to share like, what's the next step for you? Um, Is it something as simple as joining a Bible study or, making yourself a good meal every day so that you're eating, um, getting enough sleep, or is it something bigger like finding a counselor or joining a Be Broken support group? Those are all things that we go through with them at the end. What is your next step after this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, how can, you know, I'm thinking about how people can, I know we were thinking about the women that are coming to this. I'm also thinking about how can, how can people get behind what you're doing? I mean, I feel like, this is an aspect that I think in some ways, you know, if somebody's in a counseling session or somebody's in a support group or somebody's in these things, I think a lot of times in those contexts, there can be talk about how important, like you mentioned, eating, taking care of your sleep and just, you know, making sure you're keeping appointments or whatever. And then also the idea of, do you have margin for rest? Mm-hmm. And yet, like you said, there's not a whole lot of intentional, specific environments where that can happen. How could, not even just connected to the guest house project, how could the church, how could the people that are maybe listening to this better come alongside those that they come to discover are experiencing betrayal trauma to try to provide them rest? Maybe another way to put it is, how can we have more friends like you had? Or how can we Mm -hmm. be more friends like you had? that said, I need to recognize some of these key markers in this person's life and know when it's time to take them out in order to give them rest. Can you give a little bit of just maybe guidance or hope or maybe even just uh, inspiration for how we can become more those kind of agents of rest for those who need it? Yeah, I think um, coming along, you know, and I think you've even spoken on this on your podcast, coming along some, alongside somebody who is suffering is very difficult. Um, and I think one of the reasons this topic is so difficult is because um, it's it's such a hidden thing and it's there's so much shame. And so for people who feel quite close to the person they're trying to help, don't hesitate to talk about it and really ask um, and open up the subject if you know that's what's going on. I think there's so much shame associated with it that it's hard to, when somebody says, how are you? It's really hard to bring up the, the subject, even if you have addressed it with your friend before and have opened up. Um, so I think I think asking is a really big thing. Um, but then also not being afraid to spend time with them and to invite them over, invite their kids over, take them a meal. You know, I always say betrayal trauma is really hard. It's not like um, losing a family member 
to death because nobody brings you a casserole and nobody mows your, nobody mows your lawn for you. Um, and so I think, I think women, but also men can really come alongside couples or spouses who are struggling and just do practical things. Cause often you are so just so physically exhausted from the mental, emotional work that you're doing either alone now suddenly because your partner has left or in the counseling room. Um, and especially if their kids involved, um, those practical things are really, really helpful. Take a meal, offer to do some yard work or come fold laundry while we chat, you know, things like that. We'll do some carpools for people. Um, those are just really practical things that come to mind. And, and some of those are driven by the fact that I had children when I went through it. So, um, but don't be afraid to step into it. I think that's, um, that's, that's a way to navigate it is to be willing to step in. And I think, uh, you know, as you've been talking here and really kind of painting a picture for us of these spaces that you create for women to just really be able to rest, um, you know, I think it's really important to maybe even have that mindset of um, how am I, first of all, seeing the individual? Because sometimes it's very easy to sort of just lump it all into the marriage, right? Instead of going, mm-hmm. hey, we've got two individuals here and this individual that's experienced this trauma needs some individual care, but then also having that, that mentality that you've spoken of multiple times, just in this conversation of what can we do to nourish this person? Like, what can we do to really, um, give their, their body, their soul, their mind, just what they need to sort of, like you mentioned, there's a little bit of triage going on. There's a little bit of like survival mode. Um, Mm -hmm. but they can't, always bring that stuff up just within themselves, right? There's going to need to be an outside influence on that. As we are, um, as we are kind of wrapping up here, just what are some other just words of hope that you would want to give specifically to the women that are listening that maybe, maybe they've never like reached out for help. They've never considered trying to, um, you know, take some steps in their own healing, or maybe some of them are, they're, they're in counseling, but this whole idea of rest is going, okay, this is a new concept. I don't know how to do that. I don't have margin for that. Just what words of hope and encouragement would you give to those, uh, those ladies? Yeah. Um, there's a couple of things. I think um, one of the things is it's okay if you don't know how to do that for yourself. Um, there are other people who can show you. And sometimes it's a learned thing. Um, and it's hard to learn something new when you're in the middle of trauma. <laughs> so, so finding places where people can do it for you at first until you know how to do it yourself is really important. And there are, there are spaces that are doing that. And there are friends and there are people who love to pour into other people that way. So keep looking. Um, and that's one reason we exist because I had to look so hard <laughs> um, to find that kind of help and that instruction. Um, And I think another thing to hang on to is something that has come out of our retreats is the community that women find. And I think this is true of your support groups, your wives' case support groups. They are surprised that there are other women who have a similar story. It's not just me. Oh, okay. There's other people who look normal on the outside and they're experiencing this horrific thing behind closed doors. And so I am not alone and I don't have to be ashamed of this story because there's so many other people who are also experiencing it. And so finding places, groups, retreats 
where you can meet somebody else. That is scary, as I said before, to put yourself in that situation. But there's, it gives so much hope just hearing another person's story. Yeah, you know, I think uh, I think the longer you you just live as a human, you realize that the human experience is a me too experience. Yes. <laughs> like, and yet the problem is we don't have enough environments that feel safe enough for people to share enough of their story to where they go, oh, you too. You know, it's like, um, and so I love the fact that you're creating that kind of space. Of course, we do that in our ministry, creating those kind of what we call grace based environments. Yes. Um, so Christy, I love what you guys are doing and I love this, this lane that you're occupying that you're, you're really saying, Hey, we know what we're about. It's really about rest. We're not trying to provide counseling. We're not trying to do some of these other things, but what you're doing is so vital for those who are trying to heal and, and experience what the healing they need from betrayal trauma. Where can people go to learn more about the guest house project and what you guys are doing? Yeah, well, our website is theguesthouseproject.com. And then we are on Instagram, the same handle as that. So those are the two main places. And there's contact info on both of those. Yeah. And you guys even do, you do provide a little bit more than just the retreats, right? Um, mm-hmm. Cause you, you, you've got some other resources and some other things. Can you talk a little bit about those before we, before we wrap yeah. up? Yeah. So um, we, this year we have started a mentoring program where we do one-on-one mentors. And that was the space that I saw there was a bit of a gap because a woman may have a good counselor. She may even have a support group or a good community, but often she just needs an older, wiser person to pick up the phone and say, Hey, can I pray with you today? Or would you go through this book with me? Or could you read scripture over me and my kids today? And so we, we pair them with an, a woman who's further down the road on her betrayal journey and who wants to pull back into other women. Um, so yeah, that's a really lovely resource we, we can offer. Um, one of the other things we do is we, that came out of COVID is we send out rest boxes. And so that's basically like a little mini retreat in a box. And, um, it has some special things just to ground people and remind them that they are loved, their scripture. Um, and then there's also a list of resources from our website of good counselors or support groups if they want to take a next step. But that's a great thing for people who, um, don't know what to do for a friend or a family member who's experiencing betrayal trauma. So often if people, contact me and say, my sister is going through this. What can I do for her? And I'll say, you can send a rest box if that's the only thing you can do right now. Um, and then the other, we, we do gatherings with our alumni and for our community. So sometimes we'll offer a workshop on betrayal trauma or in November we have a worship night coming out just to um, help women to focus on um, what God has done in their lives. And then the, the other thing we offer is what we call overnights at our actual little guest house. We have a small guest house here in Atlanta. And so women can come and um, just just to take a break themselves. If they can't come on a retreat or it's too far out, they can just go away for a night. And that's actually been cool because counselors are starting to use that as a place um, to send women during disclosures. So I did not realize that that was going to come out of that, but um, that has proved to be a really safe, welcoming restful space for women who are doing an intensive with their spouse. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, Christy, this has been a great conversation and I love what you're doing. And we want to just try to uh, get as many women as we can to experience the rest that you guys are providing. Um, And so thank you for being part of this conversation today. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm grateful for the work that you do as well.
Yeah. Well, listeners, we are going to put all of that information in the show notes so that you can get more information about uh, Christy and the Guest House Project. And just, uh, I love those rest boxes. I think that's a great idea. So if you have somebody in mind right now that you go, I think they could use that, then go to the Guest House Project and get one of those for somebody that just needs a little bit of a, of, of a rest. And as always, we're grateful that you've been with us and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.